0: Well, good morning, Crush Chapel. Man, I'm excited to be with you. Hello to all of you joining us. No matter what venue you're in, all I can say is I hope the air conditioning is working. Uh, We really uh, try to do our best, which reminds me, by the way, uh, on your way out, please thank the people in those yellow vests that are the parking posse that are just trying to direct traffic. They are sweating uh, like nothing uh, out there uh, for your sake to try to get you a parking place. And so uh, parking posse, if you hear that, thank you, Uh, we are grateful for uh, the volunteerism that you are giving to all of us. But I want to start this morning with a question. How many of you listen to podcasts? Yeah? Okay. Interesting. Many of you do. Uh, i read an interesting statistic this past week that uh, 42% of Americans now listen to podcasts as opposed to 10 years ago only 12%. Now 10 years ago I was part of the not 12%, I'm not gonna do math, it's not my strong suit. I was part of the non-listeners, I'm not, you guys know me well enough to know I'm not an early adopter per se, but now I'm part of the 42%. I, I like listening to podcasts for leadership, for entertainment, learning, all of those, all of those different things. And one of the podcasts I listen to is called Cautionary Tales. Has anybody heard of Cautionary Tales with Tim Hartford? I mean, okay, this dude has a British accent, so you need to listen to it just because of that. Like, it, it's awesome. Like, I can hear him saying Pushkin, the, the way that he says it, it's just brilliant, okay? But I listen to cautionary tales. Wonderful podcast, very entertaining. I, I enjoy it uh, because uh, it, his premise is this. He says, we tell fairy tales to children in order to teach life lessons. And he says, but there are real life stories that adults can learn lessons from too, And so what he does is he tells these stories of real real life encounters, whether it's uh, catastrophes, tragedies, heists, scams, all these different things. And he tries to to break them down and trace down the roots to the the human errors, the the mistakes that were made. And he makes these crazy different uh, connections. It's really fun. It's really cool. last one I listened to, he was talking about the the Jameson invasion in South Africa in the late 1800s and connected it to a tennis match in Wimbledon in the 1990s. So he makes these cool connections. It's just fun if you want to check it out. But I, I love the title, it's Cautionary Tales, because he's trying to teach us uh, some wisdom that we can learn from so we don't make the same mistakes other people make. He doesn't want us to go through those catastrophes or tragedies or human error, scams, all of those things. And the podcast is wonderful to learn those lessons from, but the podcast isn't the only place that we can learn Cautionary Tales. Uh, There are cautionary tales written throughout scripture that teach us how we don't make the same mistakes that other people make. That's one of the reasons why I read the Bible. Yes, I want to connect to God. Yes, I want his word to change me. But I also don't want to have to pay for the same mistakes that other people have made if I can learn from them. There's no reason for you to pay uh, that same tuition when someone else has paid for it, and you can learn from it. And today, there's a cautionary tale that I think we all need to learn from. So if you will, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, we're going to be in verse 20, we're going to go through verse 24, just a very small section, and no, that doesn't mean a shorter sermon, sorry, Uh, but uh, just these four verses, it's page 921, if you're opening one of those Blue Bibles, uh, no matter what, venue you're in 921, we're going to read through the whole passage, so I would love for you to have a copy of the scriptures open, 921 in the Blue Bibles. We're continuing our series, uh, Unexpected, and this is Unexpected. In a worldly sense What we're going to read today And really the main character of this Cautionary tale is Herod Agrippa I. He's the grandson Of Herod the Great Herod the Great was the one that said Kill all the babies under the age of two If you remember that at the beginning of Luke This is his grandson Herod Agrippa. Herod Agrippa Had grown up in Really the imperial palace In Rome. He had a lot of Roman Ties but obviously had Jewish ties since his grandfather was Herod the Great. He ends up, Herod Agrippa I, ends up becoming the uh, king of Judea. He's put in place by the Romans to keep the peace amongst the Jews in Judea, but also to obviously serve the Roman government. And he's a very conniving uh, politician who ends up using christians as pawns to gain favor with the jews and therefore peace for the romans and we saw that in chapter 12 do you remember at the beginning of chapter 12 uh, herod agrippa kills james do you remember this he kills james and it says oh that pleased the jews he's excited he's like so hey let me do that again And he goes and he gets Peter and puts him in prison. But an angel strikes Peter, wakes him up, walks him out of prison. Herod Agrippa goes and tries to find him and cannot find him. And then ends up going to Caesarea, which is where we pick up our cautionary uh, tale. But le- actually, let me show you the, the map of where Caesarea is, just so you know, Jerusalem, Caesarea. You're going to read of Tyre and Sidon in just a second. I just wanted you to know where those were. Those are really up in Syria, but they're going to fall under the auspice of Herod Agrippa the I. So you're going to read that. So just wanted you to have that in your brain. So here is our biblical... Cautionary tale, beginning in verse 20. Just follow along with me. It says, Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace, because their country depended on the king's country for food. And on an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him, that is Herod, down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. May God bless the reading of his word and may our hearts be open to hear from him. So what is our cautionary tale today? how to not get eaten by worms, okay? We strive to be Monday morning relevant here at Christ Chapel, and I don't want you to get eaten by worms. No, this is a wonderful cautionary tale from, for, for us, and really, I, I wanna boil it down to really the big idea of what the caution is before we break it down, because here is the caution. God does not honor the ways of this world. God does not honor the ways of this world. God honors those who do his will his way. That is the bottom line. And, and, and that is a cautionary tale because in, in Herod's mind, Herod is winning. Herod is winning in every way. He has power. He's in a, a, a place of, of position and, and prominence and all of us during that time would have looked at Herod and said, man, he's got it going on. I should, maybe I should do things the way he's doing them because it looks like he's crushing it. Maybe I should, should go about my life the way that he's doing his life and, and his agenda. But God does not honor people who do not do things God, God's ways. He doesn't honor those people. And so what I wanna do is I wanna go through here and highlight the, the ways that Herod was going about his life. There are ways that God does not honor because Herod was following the ways of this world. I wanna tell you then why God does not honor honor those things. And then I'll give you some pointed applications at the end. So hopefully we can all learn from the school of unexpected rather than the school of hard knocks. So let's look at verse 20. And the caution, uh, first caution in this cautionary tale is this, uh, God will not honor someone who uses their influence to serve themselves. God will not honor someone who uses their influence to serve themselves. I I mean, I know there's so many things that are going to be so obvious. But the world says to use people to serve yourself. And that's essentially what Herod was doing here. If you look back at verse 20, it says, Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. So they came to him with one accord and having persuaded Blassus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace. Why? Because their country depended on the king's country for peace food so let me tell you a little bit about what's going on and why there's this dispute and some of some of these details and some of the details i'll put later on throughout the sermon come from josephus i just want you to know that you're like where are you getting this josephus was a roman and jewish historian of that day and so some of these details i'm going to fill in with josephus and josephus gives gives us some detail of why they are at odds with one another From what I can read, it sounds like um, Herod Agrippa I, what he wanted to do uh, was he wanted to fortify the walls around Jerusalem. But for some reason, the king of Syria, where Tyre and Sidon was located, the king of Syria did not want that to happen. And so he wrote a letter to Rome and said that he didn't want it to happen. And so Rome sent a letter back to Herod Agrippa I and asked him to cease. Told him he could not do it. So the king of Syria is now standing in the way of what Herod Agrippa wanted to do. Then... Herod Agrippa decides he wants to try to gain their favor back, so he puts on this uh, festival where he invites the local kings of the land, of which the king of Syria was one of them. But he got suspicious knowing that he was upset with them because he stopped his building project in Jerusalem. So he decided to not come and told all the other people to not go to Herod Agrippa's party. So that's why Herod Agrippa is mad with Tyre and Sidon. I mean, this sounds like real housewives of ancient Israel. Does it not? I mean, there's bad blood. It might have been mad love. They think they got problems. I don't know if they can solve them. Anybody? Okay, you get it. All right. For those of you who don't know, that is Taylor Swift. Welcome to 2023. Okay. And that's even an old song. So that's why they're mad. He's mad at them. So he has this trade embargo he imposes on them. They are a coastal city, but they depend on the Galilee for grain. And the Galilee guy is is very fertile. And that surprises folks that go over to Israel. You need to go to Israel. I'm going to show you a picture earlier. If you haven't been, you need to go. Um, But Galilee is very fertile and he depends on them for that grain. And so he says, well, fine, you're not going to do things my way. You don't like me. I don't like you. Tit for tat. I'm upset. And so I am going to use my influence to serve myself. I'm not gonna use it to serve you. And so uh, that's why Tyre and Sidon go in and it says they persuaded his servant, Blastus, which what a great name. Would one of you name your kids Blastus, please? Um, And they persuade Blastus and persuaded there actually probably means bribes. So just, just so you know, Tyre and Sidon, they're following the ways of the world as well, okay? It's not like they're just... Uh, altruistic, dependent upon God and all these things. They're bribing Blastus so that they can get an audience with King Herod Agrippa. So the caution is uh, God does not honor those people who use influence to serve themselves. Why? Because God entrusts us with influence in order to serve others. God entrusts us with influence in order to serve others. This is the heart of Jesus. If you remember in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, good, thank you, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve. He, he, he can influence and has all the influence available to him, can make the winds and the waves cease, can heal disease, can do all these things, and yet still comes to serve, not to be served. Now, the, the application uh, is, is somewhat, there's a surface application that I think you could all make. Um, ladies and gentlemen, in, in the workforce, whatever influence you have, God has given to you for you to serve other people. He has given you that position. He has given you, I'll use the word power or prestige or, or whatever authority that he's given to you so that you can serve other people, not so that you can vindictively manipulate a situation to serve yourself. That's what, that's what Herod was doing here. You're not in the position to be served, but in order to serve as you represent Christ. And just by the way, there's a deeper application of this that goes into our personal lives as well. Because oftentimes we do use our influence in order to manipulate other people's behavior. And we do this even in our friendships and in our family. Where, and and the, the, the easiest way that you can, can see this is when you withhold things from other people to garner their attention or affection. And you say, I don't do that. Hold on. Have you ever given a friend or a family member the cold shoulder? You have. I have. Yesterday, okay? Like, we, we, all, we all do that. Where we withhold the, our, our, our attention and we try to influence the other person, we try to influence the, and, and manipulate their, their behavior we try to garner their attention and their affection and guys that's a way of the world that's that's honestly that's man- manipulative and and god does not honor those ways and sometimes we just need to go back and say god what is your way in this and there's there's a way to connect there's a, there's a humility there's all of all of those things and so there's a, there's a workforce application but there's uh, that's obvious but then there's a personal application uh, honor god with the influence that he's given you in order to serve others okay second caution in our cautionary tale today is this God will not honor someone who builds an image to be praised by others God will not honor someone who builds an image to be praised by others look back at verse 21 it says on an appointed day Herod put on his royal robes took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. And them would have included an entire crowd, but also uh, Tyre and Sidon. So let me just uh, set the table for you here in the context. Uh, First, when it says an appointed day, we we don't know what the appointment was where the people of Tyre and Sidon would have come to hear this oration. Probably what, what happened was Herod Agrippa put on this big festival or party in honor of Caesar's birthday. So it's going to be a big birthday bash for Caesar, everybody. So, so why, why don't you guys come? And it sounds like day one would have been, you know, happy birthday to Caesar. But then while you're here, day two is going to be about me, Herod Agrippa. Day two is about me. And When it says an appointed day, I don't just think that means the appointed feast. I think appointed day means Herod Agrippa, let it be known to all the people. Hey, I've got this big important speech coming up on Tuesday that I want you to hear. Because remember, Tyre and Sidon, they want to hear him. They, they want his attention. They, they, want to, they want to be able to get in front of him because their country is struggling for food. So I think he makes it known, hey, I might show up on Tuesday and have something important to say. You might find me here. And they're going to uh, find him in the theater where he gives this oration. Now, the theater in Caesarea was built by his grandfather, uh, Herod the Great. And it's standing today. If, again, if you haven't gone to Israel, you need to go to Israel uh, we we go here the very first day, and uh, you can see. I mean, it's 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 a perfect theater. I mean, it, it's still still standing. You can see the the Mediterranean right there. They still use this for concerts today, like modern day concerts. So you can go there, and uh, oftentimes that equipment is up uh, when we do go visit, um, which kind of steals from the ancient idea, uh, but. <laughs> Um, pretty cool that they use that, um, anyway. So you can imagine, though, uh, Herod Agrippa going into that theater to give this oration, minus the speakers and stuff, uh, to give an or, to give an uh, a speech. And it says he goes to give this speech, and he puts on his royal robes. Uh, Josephus says that it was a cloak that was woven of pure silver. So you, you can imagine how glistening that would be in contrast there with, with the, the the sun rays bouncing off the sea and off of that stone. I mean, he would have he would have emanated light. He 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 would have beamed. But if you notice, all of this is set up to portray a wonderful image for Herod Agrippa. All of this is look. At me. Here's the appointed day. Here's the appointed time. Here's my royal robes. I want you to show up and see that I am wonderful, that I am great. He was building his image, he had set up the occasion and the appearance. But here's the caution because God will not honor someone who builds an image to be praised by others. Why? Because God is more concerned with what's on the inside than what we present on the outside. God is more concerned with the inside than what we present on the outside. You can do a lot of things to present this great image, but God knows your heart. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, when God is directing Samuel to go and anoint a king of Israel, he says, don't look at the outward appearance because I look at the heart. That God God knows the motives of our heart. You see, it's so funny to me because speaking of cautionary tales and the premise that Tim Harford builds that whole uh, podcast off of, he talks about the fairy tales we tell children. Uh, We tell kids all the time, do not judge a book by its cover, don't we? Those of you who have kids, you've all said that to your kids. Those of you who are kids, your parents have told you that but we work really hard on the covers. We work really, really hard on the covers to look like we play the part, to look like we're successful, uh, to look like we're righteous, to look like we're pious, to look like we've got it together. We work really hard on building the cover, but God looks at the inside, and that's what we encourage everybody else to do. But God knows our hearts and he knows your heart as well. And I caution you, as I've cautioned myself, to check your motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why do you want to go talk to that person? Why do you want to go to that event? Why do you want to be seen doing X or here or there? Why, why? What, what is the motive of your heart? What are you searching for? Are you searching for people's attention and affection and praise? Or are you saying, God, I, I, I want my life to be pleasing to you. Because we've got to check our motives. I'll, I'll tell you, I had to check my motives th- this week. I'll give you an example. Um, the, on Monday, we had our quarterly day of prayer. I don't know if you remember that. So um, it was down in the chapel at the Fort Worth campus. And I was, I was late getting there. Honestly, I was studying for the sermon. And I looked up and I'm like, oh, my gosh. It is, it's like two minutes too. it's about to start. And so I'm running around and I'm trying to get over to the prayer meeting. And I thought, man, I'm going to be late. And I'll be honest with you. My first thought was, I should go in the door where everybody sees me walk in. Because I want everybody to see that I am here for the prayer meeting. Look at me. Look at my royal robes. And I, when, that, when that thought hit, I took my first step toward going into that door, and I was reminded of everything I'd studied that morning. And I literally went, whoop, whoop. And I took that step back, and I went in the back side door because I was like, Lord, please forgive me. Forgive me for, because ju- I, I was only going to do that for the pure fact of being seen. That's it. And we all have to check those motives of what, what image are we trying to portray and why are we trying to portray it? Because God cares far more about, honestly, God does not, God, I really believe, did not care which door I walked through. But God cared why I walked through which door I walked through. That, that's what matters most to him are the motives and intentions of our heart. So be careful. Don't spend your life posturing yourself to a place of position or prominence or influence with other people when God cares far more about your posture before him. And then our last cautionary tale is this. God will not honor someone who accepts his glory for themselves, God will not honor someone who accepts his glory for themselves. Look back at verse uh, 22 and 23. It says, and the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck Herod uh, down. Because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. So what is, what is going on here? After Herod gives this wonderful uh, oration, it says that these people begin to shout, the voice of a God and not of a man. And actually, uh, the, the Greek verb tense that, that is used there is that they repeatedly said, it's not just that they said it once. They constantly said it. And so it's almost like they're chanting it over and over again. The voice of a God and not of a man. And so they're, they're giving these shouts to Herod uh, uh, Agrippa. And then it says, that, and, and let me, by the way, the, the problem that Herod has is not what people are saying. The problem that Herod has is that he's accepting it. That, that's his problem. And, and, and let, me, let me say this, honestly, I don't even believe that the people believed that he was a God. I believe the people were saying that because they thought that's what Herod wanted to hear. Remember, why are they there? Do you remember? Go back to verse 20, why are they there? Food, they want food are they willing to give a little bit of flattery for food sure oh you want me to call you god oh yeah you're god can i have some bread give give me some. so i don't think they necessarily even believed what they were saying but they it was a means to an end which the means do not justify the ends remember god's ways are the only way that he'll honor But they're beginning to shout this, and they shout this continually. And it says that Herod does not give God the glory. Again, his problem is not what they're saying. His problem is that he's receiving it. He's accepting it. He's like, oh, yeah. Why is he receiving it? Why is he accepting it? Because it's what he wanted. He set up this whole thing. He he has set the table and he's getting exactly what he wanted. And it says, then an angel of the Lord struck him down. Just a fun fact, interesting. The the same action that the angel takes by striking, same action and verb used of when the angel struck Peter to wake him up in prison earlier on in chapter 12. But the angel strikes Peter for Peter's good, and strikes Herod in judgment. Just an interesting fact, but this angel strikes him down. And it says, ultimately he is eaten by, Herod is eaten by worms. Uh, the way that I had always read this text was that immediately he struck down these worms like come out of him. it 's like this movie thing like crazy. And, and the more I study it and the more I read it, the, I, I think probably it, it's that he was struck down and then ultimately he dies by worms. And in fact, Josephus tells us that within five days, he, was, he had some kind of worm bowel disease. I know I'm getting gross, but I'm just telling you. Um, and, and ultimately it strikes him down. And the reason why I, I get gross there for just a second is because... Uh, ancient folks said two things about this. First, they said that dying by that, those kinds of bowel diseases and worms like that was one of the most horrifically painful deaths a person could die. And they said, ancient people wrote that, that only those who are most deserving of it died by that manner. Uh, those aren't believers. Those are, those are just ancients who are like, man, if, if you died that way, You must have done something wrong. It's obvious to everyone that Herod had done something that was offensive to a holy God. What was it? He received glory that God alone deserved. You see, that's our cautionary tale and lesson that we learn is, God does not honor those who accept his glory for themselves because God will not give up the glory that he alone deserves. God will not give up the glory that he alone deserves. And I know what you're thinking. Cody, I'm not a king. I'm not a queen and nobody calls me a god or a goddess. Like I don't I'm, that, I'm not hold on. We all want that kind of attention and affection. We all want to be God-like. And you know how I know that? Because that was the first temptation that was ever faced in Genesis chapter three. (laughs) Don't you wanna be like God? Don't you wanna know the things he knows? Don't you wanna be praised? Don't, Don't you wanna be like him? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And then the fall happens because God doesn't share his glory with anyone. And when you say, and we know that from Isaiah chapter 42, if you want to write it down, Isaiah 42 verse 8. I am the Lord and that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. I will not share it. And he has every right to hold it for himself. Every right. You know the term celebrity, right? Do you know what the root of the term celebrity is? Celebrate. And we all, in one sense, want to be a celebrity, whether it's amongst our family or amongst our friends or amongst our jobs. We all wanna be celebrated in those ways. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't rightfully be celebrated uh, for all the wonderful, great things uh, about you and the things that you've done wonderful. But we'll get to the application in a second because you gotta be careful um, what you accept and what you deflect. You gotta be really careful about that. Because this is a contrast between Herod and what is going on, and his ways end. But look at verse 24. It says, But the word of God increased and multiplied. But this big uh, contrastive conjunction right there. But when Herod falls dead, the word of God endures and even multiplies, not just continues but spreads, it grows. Herod's life comes to an end, the word of God spreads. This is the fourth of seven of the same sentence literary device that are are these markers throughout Acts As, as the church goes through major persecution. God delivers them from that and it says, but the word of God increases. But the word of God endures. But the word of God grows. The word of God multiplies. The disciples increase. Four, seven times. This is the fourth of seven. Because his will will always endure. Again, I just come back to the bottom line of this cautionary tale. God will honor those who use his ways to do his will. God's not going to honor the ways of this world, but he will honor those who use his ways to do his will. So let me give you three very quick applications. The first is this. Humble yourself thinking rightly about yourself and God. Humble yourself thinking rightly about yourself and God. And when I say rightly, I mean that synonymously with biblically. Think biblically about yourself. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but instead use sober judgment. Well, what's the judgment that we should use? Scripture. Scripture. So humble yourself. And one of the ways that we can humble ourselves, very concrete, is just confess your sin to God. Confess him when you don't have pure motives. Confess to him when, when you do want to be celebrated, uh, when you do want the attention, uh, when you want the, the spotlight, and, and it really should be pointed onto uh, him. Uh, confess that as sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you the sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Uh, second, clothe yourself with Christ's likeness so people praise God. Clothe yourself with Christ's likeness so people praise God. Herod wanted to clothe himself with these royal robes that would bring attention to him. And what we're encouraged throughout scripture is that we would clothe ourselves with Christ's likeness. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, all of those things that exhibit the character of Christ. And you say, hold on, Cody, I don't really, I that doesn't, those clothes don't fit me, you know? Hold on. You want to be clothed with Christ's righteousness, right? We all want to be clothed with Christ's righteousness so that we can stand before the throne of God complete because of what Christ has done on our behalf, not based on our own merits that would fall well short. And so if you want to be clothed in Christ's righteousness, why don't you spend your life in gratitude clothing yourself with Christ's likeness? Clothe yourself in Christ's likeness so other people praise God. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before men so that others may see your good deeds and praise you. Praise your Father in heaven. They may see your good deeds and praise Him. And then finally, give God the glory for the things He has done and continues to do. Give God the glory for the things He has done. And continues to do. Um, I'm a big fan. Give credit where credit is due. So I, I, want, this is, I want to try to be as Monday morning as I can on this. Uh, because if, if someone says, you know, thank you for the way that you... If you, go, if you go to the parking posse today and you say, hey, thank you for serving us. You say, Cody, do you expect that that parking posse goes, praise God. You know, like real cheesy, you know, like, man, all glory, you know, whatever. No, I, I, I don't expect that. Because, praise God, they made a decision to go out there and sweat it out and serve you. And so I expect them to go, thank you. You're Rightfully receiving the, those kind of things. And then as it goes deeper, ultimately we go, man, I'm just, I'm thankful God allowed me to be here. As it goes deeper, you don't have to deflect everything immediately. Remember what Paul says. Paul, Paul says here in 1 Corinthians, he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God caused the growth. So can we thank Paul for planting? Sure. Can you thank Apollos for watering? Sure, but ultimately we acknowledge that God is the one who causes the growth. He is the one who ultimately gets the glory because it's his will that will always endure and it's his word that we live by. You see, don't miss this cautionary tale. You have King Herod versus King Jesus. You have the one who wanted to be praised and the one who came to serve. The one who came to a very quick end and the one who will always endure, follow his ways. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would point out these subtle and seductive temptations that we all face to build up our image, to use our influence, to be served, to steal your glory lord uh, we humble ourselves lord thank you that your christ likeness can change us from the inside out that lord even though we're rotten because of sin you transform us the old is gone the new has come Lord God, we humble ourselves before you and we give you all the glory for all the wonderful things you do in and through us. You have done them and you'll continue to do them. Please, Lord Jesus, in your name, amen.